Welcome, Capital Raisers. The U.S. public has $30 trillion in retirement accounts already designated for investing. Learn how to access and raise from these accounts on today's show as Matt Sorensen tells us how to tap into this money. Are you guys ready to raise? Collaborate with other Capital Raisers at our free nationwide virtual meetup every Thursday at 11 o'clock PST. Link is in the show notes. Lastly, shout out to my sponsors, InvestNext and the Family Office Club. With that, it's Capital Razor Show episode 288, and it starts now. Rock and roll. I got Matt Sorensen on the Capital Razor Show. Welcome, my friend. How you doing, man? Long time to see. Yeah, it's been years. Thanks for having me. Love to be here talking to people raising capital. I'm always working in some form or fashion of that in my life, whether it's someone's retirement account, investing in someone raising capital, or being an attorney in the space for years. That's what I don't too much today. But so great to be on. Sweet. Well, we got a lot of stuff to cover. I met you probably about 15 years ago, somewhere in the 2008, 2007 yeah. range, back with a company called Nouveau Reach, which has now morphed into Renatus. Great educational platform was introduced to Johnny Dessauer, which I'm sure you know who's still involved with that association. Oh, and Mark I was Kohler, talking your partner. To him this morning. Right, those <laughs> guys are Dessauer, great. Funnily. Those guys are so cool. Capital yeah. Razor Show Season Three brought to you by our friends at Richard Wilson's Family Office Club and PitchDex.com. So really excited to be working with them, Matt. So let's start with your background in yeah. capital raising. I know you do some self-directed retirement accounts, or talk about that in your capital yeah. raising. Uh, what I've never heard before, though, that you mentioned prior to the show was that you actually used to raise capital yourself for your own deals. Well, I would help as an attorney. I would help clients okay, so raise you're capital. Yeah. I mean, I've done some partnership deals. I don't call it a syndication of groups of people, but on my own real estate deals. But I invest in real estate myself. I'm a real estate investor. I do it with my personal funds. I do it with my retirement account. So I'm definitely highly interested in the real estate space and think that's where, at least that's where I've been able to build my wealth. But from a professional side as a lawyer, yeah, I was help, I've helped lots of clients raise capital. My law firm does PPM, private placement memorandums, and the laws have all changed since I was doing it starting in 2006. seems so long ago. You got all the different types of fund types, and there's other attorneys in our firm that handle these now. So we're routinely helping clients trying to raise capital, making sure they're staying compliant with the, the formidable SEC and I'm not talking about the football, college football conference, you know, the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC. <laughs> you don't want to piss them off. So that career, really, then I kind of got into IRAs and realized, oh, my gosh, a lot of these clients, frankly, are raising money from IRAs and started figuring out those rules on how retirement accounts can be used in raising capital because that's where a lot of the money is. Yeah, we'll probably dive deep into that particular topic. It's not something that we talk a lot about on the show, but it's an incredible source. Yeah. So a lot of syndicator friends of mine have accepted capital from self-directed retirement accounts and have gotten people with old 401ks to move it. I yeah. find it a very challenging process, but it can yeah. definitely be done and it is done on a regular basis. And hopefully you can kind of help the audience kind of unlock that yeah. mechanism right now because a lot of people are struggling to find capital in the middle of 2023. It's getting yeah. harder to get people to release their funds. However, in these retirement accounts, people have money designated and set aside specifically for investing. Exactly. And if it's <laughs> losing money or not utilizing it in the greatest fashion, it would make yeah. sense 
to get these people educated and nurtured on why it would potentially make a lot of sense to yeah you know put put it into a custodian or whatnot and then access some of these private placements offerings that are in the private equity space so yeah i mean ruben it's like there's 30 trillion dollars in retirement accounts in the u.s like there's no more money anywhere to invest in anything than in u.s retirement accounts so like if you're someone that raises capital don't even think about your ira or 401k or retirement account that's great. We can talk about that another day. But think about everybody else's, okay? And think about the people you could be talking to who are most likely to invest a hundred grand in a deal that you have. Do you think it's most likely to have it in a savings account or an investment account or in an IRA or 401k somewhere? Most Americans have been trained to save in their retirement accounts. That's where their investable money is. It's also, I mean, you said it's Ruben, it's set aside for investment. It's also set aside for long-term investment. Anybody raising capital, the person that gives you their last $50,000, they want to know where it's going every month and what's going on and everything. People with their IRA and 4Ks, it's long-term money. They've already booked that in their brain. It's long-term money. And so it's, it works well with a lot of private offerings and funds that don't have short-term returns or don't have liquidity. People aren't looking for that. They're investing for the long haul. So I think it's a really, really important tool. And I'll just give you one example. We had a private equity real estate fund out of Texas. They had about a thousand investors that invested with them over the years. And we did two webinars with them on to their investor base on how to invest in their existing funds that they already have with IRAs or 401ks. We opened 330 accounts for them. Wow. And so, and they unlocked a ton of money <laughs> just from teaching people on how to do it. And it's really not that hard, actually. So let's kind of go over the process. I mean, let's address this syndicator and scaling capital raiser out there that's looking for money. They've either tapped out their friends and family. They've moved yeah. into nurturing and educating people on whatever it is that they're selling. Primarily, I think the audience are multifamily syndicators and people mm -hmm. in the commercial real estate space. But once they have established what you're talking about is great, right? So people, some of the audience already has established databases of investors and large groups of people and they've accepted money. Now you're talking about going back to their same databases and educating them on accessing additional capital that they may not even have yeah. forefront of mind. So yeah. what are some of the process of doing that? What kind of, so this webinar that you did, what kind of education or what did you do? What was the yeah. purpose of it and how did you get the audience to move? We have a, an interest in that because that we make money opening accounts and having accounts here. So we're highly motivated to not drop the ball. Like we want to make it easy in the process. So it's really two things you got to do to be successful at this strategy. One is you got to know enough information to educate people on it. Don't overwhelm them. They need to know enough to be educated to make the decision on moving this money or acting on it. Just like you have to be in any piece of their money that they're investing, but know the retirement account rules. But then second is you have to be able to execute on it. What we've tried to really do at Directed IRA at our company, where we're helping clients every day, we have a business development team, they can come in and handhold your people through the process is you've got to walk them through it. And you've got to get them through the forms and moving their money from fidelity to over here, and then get it invested in the fund. But we've really tried to streamline that. One of our fortes is going after people raising capital as a way to get accounts. And so we built a team that makes it easier to do that. So Educate, get them comfortable enough to do it. We can do it as a third party. I mean, I'm an attorney. I wrote the number one book in the space, the Self-Directed IRA Handbook. It's got over 100 legal citations. They can give it to their attorney, their financial advisor, their CPA. 
and they'll be like, okay, looks like you're working with some of those that are talking about, but then you got to execute and get the money. And that's where I think a lot of companies in our space have dropped the ball. They have terrible service. They don't have a sense of urgency to get the account opened. We do. We go after that. We have a sense of urgency. We know if they have something to invest in, like your fund, let's say anyone listening, that's a sticky account for us. They're going to stay. They're going to open an account, they're going to fund it, and they're going to be here for a number of years. And that's what we want. Okay, so tell us about the process. What are the people that have old locked 401ks from a previous company or what? how do they move it into and what are the benefits of getting it into a self-directed retirement account or some other kind of tax-sheltered vehicle? I mean, I think for them, there's a lot of people who are sick and tired of the stock market roller coaster that have their IRA or 401k money. And maybe they want to move all of it. Maybe they just want to move a piece of it. But there's a lot of people out there when you just tell them that they can invest in real estate with their IRA or 401k, you're already blowing their brain. They never knew it was possible. And then if you have an available deal and opportunity for them to make it easy, even better, right? They don't have to hunt and find a deal. You've already got an opportunity available. It's surprising how much people are very excited in the opportunity of buying real estate, particularly people who are already interested in real estate. Oh, you could use your IRA or 401k to do this. But once you get there, and that the conversation that's had, did you know you can buy, invest in real estate with your IRA or 401k? Then it's just three steps. They need to open a self-directed account. And what that means is they need to use an IRA company that lets you invest in real estate. Like if someone's got an IRA or 401k at Fidelity and they say, hey, and they call up Fidelity and say, hey, I want to invest in Ruben's XYZ fund that's doing a multifamily project in Arizona. Fidelity's going to be like, well, you can't do that. And it's not because IRAs can't do that. It's because Fidelity IRAs can't do that. So they need to move the money they want to invest. And it can just be a piece of it from their Fidelity IRA, let's say, over to their self-directed IRA, like our company, Directed IRA. And there's 30 different companies that do what we do, but we're the best at it. And I really believe that. But so that's step one is they got to open up an account. Step two is they got to move the money. If it's an IRA at Fidelity, they just we do a transfer request and the customer signs it. We process the form over to Fidelity or, or wherever their current IRA funds are at. And then step three is they authorize the investment. So they would fill out your subscription documents, but it's not Ruben as the buyer, the purchaser on the subscription. It's Director Trust Company, FBO, Ruben's IRA. Like that's the purchaser. And then we're going to send money from the IRA when you authorize it. And then your IRA owns the asset. Now, for you raising capital, you get a wire from the IRA company and the IRA owns those units or those shares in that investment. So really three things, open the account, get it funded, and then authorize the investment, which is a, called a direction of investment form. And that's it. Well, you make it sound simple, but I think that there's a sales, <laughs> there's a sales process when you're oh, yeah. dealing with people that have 401ks. They don't want to do anything with it. It's like out of sight, out of mind. What are some of the pain points that you push to get them to actually take action? Or how would you suggest that a syndicator out there or somebody that's raising money, what kind of things can they tell their audience and their database of people? Yeah, ask them a couple of questions. What did you make in the stock market last year? How's your 401k doing? (laughs) What is the total returns you have? It's all available. They can pull it up and download it. And you know what? They don't even want to look. They know it's bad. People in America love real estate and a lot of people just love that it's just more tangible. They know what it is. You can work your own way in terms of selling it, but from just a conceptual standpoint, this is more my, it's just a, investing in real estate with an IRA in general is people are drawn to it because it's more tangible. It's more reliable. And 
the stock market, particularly as of late, has kind of burnt a lot of people. And so they're ready to move. They just have nowhere else to go. And particularly with their IRA or 401k, they didn't know there was any other option. Okay, cool. So let's kind of dive deep. What are the different vehicles? Once you have a 401k and decide to move it, what can yeah. you put it into? What makes sense? What does not make sense? I've yeah. heard of people taking money and putting it into infinite banking policies, qualified retirement plans, yeah. self-directed retirement accounts, all kinds of Roth IRAs. What are the different vehicles? Which ones are good and which ones are bad for real estate? There's also the unrelated business income tax, right? That you got to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. I can talk to that. So there's a lot there, but <laughs> I mean, I could, I have like full day conferences on just self-directing. So I got to, I'll be, I'll try to, it's hard for me, but I'll try to not talk too much and get too detailed, but you have the IRAs are the easiest. Let me just say that. Cause you brought up like infinite banking and there's insurance policy strategies, qualified plans. And those are options. And for different situations, they work. But the infinite banking thing, for example, that's not going to help. If I'm raising capital, why do I want someone to go do that? It's all going to go to insurance company. And then how do I get that money invested into my deal? That doesn't help me as someone syndicating. The infinite bank allows you to pull the money out, but it takes time. So it's not yeah. a fast, it's not a fast. Yeah, but I already had the money in the first place. So like if I'm that for that to work, I would have had to pay in the premiums and then I can pull it back out. If I'm raising capital, why do I want to make them go through all those hoops to come back to me to then get their money? I don't know. It could be a fine strategy for the person. There's a time and place for that strategy. I don't use it. But if I'm someone raising capital, I want to look at how can I go rate, how can I get the money? Well, if I think of 10 random people out there, it's most likely that if I need 100,000 from each of those 10, then I'd get it from their IRA or 401k. It just is. This is where people's money's at. So then the path of easiest resistance is IRA. Let's say they got an IRA at Fidelity or TD Ameritrade. Traditional IRA, Roth IRA, SEP IRA, doesn't matter. They can easily move that to a self-directed traditional IRA, self-directed Roth IRA, self-directed SEP IRA to invest in your deal. And that's easy. You can always move those. How fast is the process? That's about two weeks. So like we can open an account in a couple of days. Some companies like actually TD Ameritrade and Fidelity are pretty fast. They'll send the money within about three to four business days after a transfer request. And then that just needs to clear with us with the wire, which can take another five days. So in about two weeks, you could have the money in your fund. And sometimes it can be a little less than that, depending on where we're getting the money from on the other end. But 401ks are where it gets a little tricky. If you have an old employer 401k, like you don't work there anymore, you can roll that. And that money gets rolled from the old employer 401k into typically a traditional IRA. Most 401ks are traditional. If you had a Roth 401k, go to a Roth IRA. But it goes from old employer 401k to self-directed IRA and then into your, into your fund. The hard part with 401ks is when they have a current employer. Let's say the person you're talking to is like, all right, I got a, a buddy that's got 200 grand in a 401k, but they're 40 years old and they still work there. Okay, that money's probably locked down until they leave or hit retirement age of 59 and a half, typically a current employer 401k gets locked down while you're still an employee. You can't roll it to an IRA. You only get the investment options that the company gives you in the company 401k. So that's one snag where if you're talking to someone, you're not going to be able to access their money. But old employer 401ks and IRAs are always fair game. And actually the largest chunk of retirement accounts out there now is actually IRAs. There's 13, 14 trillion in IRAs now. And it's bigger than pension plans and bigger than 401ks now. So most likely someone you're talking to has money in an IRA 
And that money can always be self-directed and invested in a real estate deal. Okay, cool. So the UBIT tax, let's kind of talk yeah. about that before we talk about a couple other things that I want to bring up. Okay, yeah. And you talked about qualified plans, so I can come back to that. But there's two types of UBIT. There's UBIT for that really applies to flippers or real estate developers. Basically, what retirement accounts, when they were created, Congress said these are designed to receive investment income. As long as you get investment income in your IRA or 401k, you don't pay tax when you're making money, right? And that's one of the benefits of our retirement account, whether I'm buying stocks or I'm investing in real estate, when I sell it for a gain or there's a dividend or there's rental income or I sell the property, that income goes into the IRA and I don't pay any tax. It doesn't go on my 1040. It keeps growing and I can reinvest the whole thing into the next deal. And that's one of the awesome benefits of retirement accounts. Well, they said if, if you get investment income, we'll give you that treatment. But if you get business income in your retirement account, we're going to assess this UBIT tax, unrelated business income tax. And in the real estate space, business income is going to be real estate development. If your IRA or 401k does a lot of flips, new construction, but the buy and hold multifamily project, for example, that's not business income. Okay. That's going to be rental income is that you're, that's being held or capital gain income when the property sold. Those are fine investment income. This type of UBIT doesn't apply. Now, there's another type of UBIT, though, called UDFI, Unrelated Debt Financed Income. This is yeah. a chapter in my book. And this applies when you have debt on a property. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the easiest one is just think of a single-family property. It applies the same way in the multifamily, but just if you can do the math here and keep it simple. Let's say you bought a property for hundred grand. I know they may not exist. They don't exist here in Arizona anymore. <laughs> but let's say you bought a property for hundred grand, just so I can do the math. Let's say 40,000 came from the IRA and you got a loan for 60 grand. It has to be what's called a non-recourse loan. You can't guarantee it, but there's banks that do these. So I put down 40,000 from the IRA and I got a loan from the bank or private lender, doesn't matter, for the other 60. Now, when the IRS looks at that, they're like, okay, well, 40% of that deal is your retirement account money. You don't have to pay tax on profits from that. But the other 60%, that's not retirement account money, that's debt. You've increased your purchasing power of buying assets with debt. So we're going to make you pay tax on the profits from the debt. So again, this is 100,000 property, 40,000 from the IRA, 60,000 in debt. To the IRS, this property is 60% debt leveraged. And they're going to apply any income you have off this property. This is after all your expenses. Let's say you made, let's say you sold the property for, and you had a 10,000 gain after all your expenses. The IRS is going to say, okay, well, 60% of that 10,000 gain, 60% here, 6,000 bucks is subject to this UDFI tax. And then the UDFI tax when you sell is actually capital gains rate, which is 20%, which in that example would be 1200 bucks. So basically what it is, is it's a tax on the debt involved. But in that example, I, I only had 40 grand and I was able to more than double purchasing power of my IRA. And I paid 1200 bucks in tax to make 10 grand, but I doubled the purchasing power more than doubled it. Actually, it's not a terrible thing. A lot of our real estate investor clients are like, as long as the total return is better than what I could get in a mutual fund, why do I care? Like at the end of the day, I want the biggest IRA or 401k account possible. If I pay some tax to build it because I'm getting debt to leverage my investments, what, what do I care? And so, so that's what UDFI is. There's, I got webinars on it, separate podcast episodes on our podcast, chapter in my book to deep dive it. But that's a simplistic answer to, to UDFI. And it applies if in a multifamily fund too. If my IRA is invested and I get my K-1, the property sells and there's 10,000 of gain that I got in my IRA on my K1 from the deal and the deal was 70% leveraged. Well, 
7,000 of that would be subject to UDFI. You pay a capital gains rate on that, which is 20% with 1,400 bucks. So I made 10,000. I paid, uh, in that example, I'd pay 1,400 bucks in this UDFI tax. So is it just so, UDFI. So I've heard that there's ways to avoid that tax. Do you yeah. talk about that in your book? Tell me about those. Absolutely, yeah. There's a number of ways to avoid it. So the first is if you're controlling the deal, and this is just our typical clients buying single family properties, hold the property, pay off the debt, once you pay off the debt, if you hold it for 12 months with no debt and you can sell it, there's no UDFI tax. Even though you've had the benefit of leverage forever, the rules only make you count debt at the time of sell back 12 months. So if I can pay off the debt, hold it 12 months, and then sell the property, I can avoid it altogether. I even have clients that will get private money to come in and take an equitable interest in the property to pay off the debt, and they hold it 12 months and, and sell it to avoid the UDFI Definitely not be realistic for like a $40 million right, yeah. <laughs> For like someone raising capital, a couple of things. If I'm an IRA, I'm going to pay it at some point. Now, year to year, my K-1 is probably going to have a, a net a loss on it, even though I, for the property's cash flowing, depending on how they're expensing and depreciating the property, it's going to likely have a loss on it. So I don't need to worry about UDFI. But at the time the property sells, when there's a big gain and there's still debt on the property, I will need to worry about it. Now, one account type that does it is, that's exempt from UDFI are employer-based plans, which would include a solo 401k. We set lots of solo 401k accounts up. Those are for people who are self-employed with no employees. So if you're self-employed with no employees, you can have a solo 401k account and you can put money in, you can self-direct it, you can invest in real estate. Those are exempt from UDFI on leveraged real estate. It's, the exemption is very specific to leveraged real estate. It's in my book and such, but- Is that the um, same thing as a qualified retirement plan or are those different? It is a, a 401k is a qualified plan. So once you get into employer-based plans, they're called qualified plans, a pension plan, a profit-sharing plan, a 401k plan. They're all in the same areas of the tax code. There's somebody who markets the EQRP. That's just a qualified plan, just like a 401k is a qualified plan. That's just a made up you know, kind of marketing slogan they use. So, but those, any employer plan, sometimes called qualified plan, is exempt from UDFI, this, this tax on leveraged real estate, which is kind of cool. Even me, I actually self-direct my own 401k because I, in our law firm, we have a self-directed 401k, even though we have employees, I self-direct that and I buy real estate that's leveraged with debt and I don't have to pay UDFI. Okay, so for the purpose of the people that are raising money from their databases for syndications, would you recommend that they put them in a four, solo 401k or is the directed retirement, self-directed retirement account better? Why or why not? So we do both for clients. So for us, frankly, I make more money when someone does a solo 401k. The problem is most people don't qualify for it. Because so they're not self-employed? They're not self-employed. Or if they are self-employed, they have employees. And so we love the solo 401k for the person that's self-employed, no employees. It's an awesome account type, but it doesn't work for everyone. So let's say you've got someone that's got a W-2 job in corporate America. They got an old employer 401k or they got an IRA with 200 grand. They want to invest in your deal. And you're like, well, you should do a solo K so you don't have UDFI. Well, that might be cool and dandy, but they don't qualify for it. They can't do it. So for them, it's like, we'll do an IRA. Is it pretty complicated to go out and start like a multi-level marketing business or something that so that you can become self-employed or is, is that? you? It just has to be a legit business. And so this is 
Some of the industry does that. I don't, we don't do that because you have to have a legit business. Like we're tax lawyers at the end of the day. Like I have a law firm and like, we're like, we want to be here in 10 years. Like you have to have a legit business and there's something called the hobby loss rules. Mm. So if that business can't satisfy the hobby loss rules after 30 years where there's no legit business purpose and income generating from it, the solo 401k is going to fail, but it could be a new business. And we have that all the time. Clients like, well, I'm doing consulting or I'm a new real estate agent and I, I got a side hustle. That's totally cool. As long as you got real income on schedule C on your personal tax return, it works. Now, like a rental property doesn't count though, because that's investment income. You have to have self-employment income, like commission income, 1099s, selling goods or services. It could even be a side hustle and that can justify a solo K. We do that all the time. Interesting. Okay, cool. So what are the other, are there any other vehicles that are good for syndicators or for passive investors that want to take their 401ks and invest into real estate? I think that the self-directed IRAs, the solo 401k, I mean, you can self-direct health savings accounts, covered education savings accounts. We do those. All the different IRA types, SEP IRA, Roth IRA, traditional IRA, all those can be self-directed. And what, if you're raising capital, what I would say is don't overcomplicate it. If someone has a traditional IRA at Fidelity that they're buying mutual funds with and they're not happy with their returns or they're in the stock market, do a traditional self-directed IRA. You can get into like, maybe you should convert that to Roth. Maybe you qualify for a solo K. Are you self-employed? Like you could get into that if you want, but if you're trying to keep it simple, just with whatever account type they have, they got a Roth IRA at TD Ameritrade, go to a Roth IRA at Directed IRA and you can invest it in my deal. Now they do have UDFI, but again, it's only a tax on the debt involved. And if your type of returns you can make is better than what they're making on the mutual fund, netting out the little bit of tax they have to pay on UDFI when your property sells, it's a no-brainer. Like at the end of the day, someone wants a bigger account with more money in it than what they've got over here with doing mutual funds. Tell me about the, the webinar that you did for this particular private equity company or yeah. more so, is this something that would be available to the audience if, if they're looking to tap capital? It, it would be, obviously be a huge benefit for you because if their audience decided to self-direct, they could potentially do a bunch of accounts with you. But it would also be a huge win for the syndicator who's looking to raise capital in these hard times in middle yeah. of 2023. <laughs> yeah. So what does that look like? Could they come and yeah. partner with you to do a webinar with them? Is that something that you would provide or what would you recommend? Yeah, I mean, so we do it to their audience. That was the example I gave is that was a group that they had their database and they are always doing educational stuff and such. And then they decided we're going to hit it on this retirement account topic. They'd tried it before and they worked in their company and they had a dozen accounts or so and it just never really took off. And then we just gave them the right educational content and explain how it works to people, let people ask all the questions. That's the thing. We have all the answers. I mean, I've been doing this for 16 years. Like we have all the answers. We got the credentials and the books and everything. And so we never tell you what to invest in, but obviously they're with this group and they're invited with that group. That's what are the investment opportunities I can invest in, in real estate. So it's so our business development team. You know, we can coordinate that and schedule that depending on how many people are on. Sometimes I do them. Sometimes other members of our team do them. But I've got a lot of experienced people here, really good on, on self-directed topics that can answer people's questions. And so, so yeah, I think if you do have like that list and you haven't really talked about using an IRA or 401k or talked about how to unlock that or let people know that they could use this money to invest in your fund, I think it's a lot of low-hanging fruit. Yeah, I've never heard. I've been on probably 100 webinars from other syndicators. I've never heard any of them 
specifically teach how to unlock capital that's stored away in 401ks. They're just like talking about themselves, their business plan, the market, and what mm-hmm. they're trying to accomplish and a couple other things. But that's a fascinating tool right now to, to be. Well, I'll tell you, like you follow a lot of the big people raising capital right now. I mean, from Grant Cardone to whoever you want, they're talking about it. It's in their stuff. It's in their social media. It's in all their offering stuff. Like they are talking about it because they know that's where the money's at. And so I just think for someone out there raising capital, this is a really important tool to have, to know, to have your team know about it. And then to know the company that can help execute on it. I don't mean to like pitch directed IRA here, but like whoever you're using, like get someone that knows how to do this and that has a team, a business development team or something like that, that works with the capital raiser to help shepherd the customers through so that their account gets funded and your investment gets funded. Okay, cool. What about, because your company does tax law, they have potentially some syndication attorneys on there. What else can you tell the capital raiser, either tax benefits or some things? I know you have like a massive repertoire of secrets in your back pocket. Share a couple (laughs) of those with us. So I have a law firm, KQS Lawyers, and that's where we're advising clients on tax and legal stuff, raising capital. There's a whole team of 50 plus people there. And then I got directed IRA, we're one and a half billion dollar trust company, all in alternative assets, fastest growing in the space, 505 star reviews. So I got like a lot of things going, 100 plus employees, but we have an awesome team there to help to help people depending on what they need. One of the biggest things I've seen from capital raisers, there's kind of like a couple of different people, personality types that go out and raise capital. There's the analytical one that loves the deal, that loves the numbers, that loves their Excel spreadsheets. They've got everything dialed in. And then there's like the salesperson guy (laughs) and they're great with people. They have a network, but once you get two or three questions in on really detailed, or you got that engineer person that you're asking to invest in your deal, or your pilot or someone that's like going to be super detail oriented, they crash and burn. They, they can't get past it. And so what I found the people who have a lot of success in capital raising, this is just from working on a professional level is they know how to balance those two. Either they figure it out in their own personality. And if they're like a super analytical Excel spreadsheet on everything type of thing, they dial that back in their conversation. So they don't overcomplicate it with people or they learn to get out of their shell. If that's who they are, and they're not the salesperson. Or they could get partners and they, they get a team. They build a team of people that can complement these weaknesses. And so what that goes really back to is knowing yourself. Like know who you are as you're out there running your business, which if it's capital raising, like know where, what it takes to be successful at it and then know who you are. Then build the team around you and try to develop your weaknesses so that you can succeed. That'd be my piece of advice. All right, man, let's dive into the lightning round, Matt. My first question to you is, what's the best vacation you've ever taken? Costa Rica with my daughters. I've heard Costa Rica a lot on this show. How about, how much of your success do you attribute to mindset? Less than most, actually. And not because I don't believe in it, just because I think I, it's innate in me. And a lot of people are like, you need to have the right mindset. And (laughs) I'll be honest, sometimes I crap on it a little bit just because I think people get too much into it, but I think it's a little innate in me. But to me, I think my success has been about being strategic. You have the mindset already, but having the right mindset is not enough. You have to have the right strategy and you gotta execute on what you're trying to do. Mindset can get you, find you through it. The right mindset can get you through the strategy, can help you execute it, but you gotta have the right strategy and you gotta execute. Good stuff. How long do you wanna live? As long as I can. 
you, you got to put a number on it. I want to live to 120. Okay, cool. That's a great goal. That's that's very close to mine. Do you have any hacks for breaking through limiting beliefs? How do you deal with limiting beliefs? Well, for me, what I actually do is I think of the person that I want to be. Like if I get frustrated and I get some limiting beliefs of like, this is impossible or whatever it may be. Like I start and think of like, who's the person I want to be? And I have that person in my mind. It's always been there. And then I think of like, okay, what does that person do? They wake up at 5 a.m. This is how they dress. This is when they exercise. This is the food they eat. This is how they are with their kids. This is how they are with their wife. This is how they are at work. This is like their attitude. This is the type of person they're projecting out into the world. This is how efficient they are. This is the crap they don't do during the day. Like I think of that person and then I go back and try to be that person. And that helps kind of ground me back to like what I'm trying to accomplish and do. That's the person I'm trying to be. I love that. How about this short answer on this? I think I know what you're going to say. Best way to raise capital from your perspective. <laughs> IRAs are 401ks, $30 trillion. I rest my case on that. There's no more money anywhere. What's your biggest failure and how did you overcome it? I don't know that I'd call it a failure. I'd call it my biggest challenge. I was a teen dad. So I was, my oldest daughter's 25. I was a dad at 18. And so I had to grow up super fast, didn't have support from family. That was probably my biggest challenge that, that I had to overcome. At the time, I felt like I was a failure, you know, but you know, looking back, it was like the best thing that ever happened to me. What do you love best about skiing and mountain biking? That I get to be outside in nature and just check out from the rest of the world and the things that I'm trying to do or that's on my list, I'm just like out there in nature and it mentally relaxes me. A lot of people I know meditate and do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But when I'm on my mountain bike or skiing, like my brain can check out and it's just like a mental, I get a lot of mental clarity from it. Yeah, some people refer to that as passive meditation where whatever go. activity, like it quiets your mind and allows you to focus on avoiding trees when you're skiing down the hill. Well, I get passive meditation, I'm gonna borrow that. <laughs> All right, do your spiritual philosophies have anything to do with your success in business? Absolutely. Also, Well, I have, I just have beliefs about, you know, there is a higher power and I believe that that there's purpose in our life and that and also that you've got to end up at the end of the day you've got to have done good for the world and i think that that changes perspectives a little bit on what you're trying to accomplish how you're trying to bring people along with you and then what like legacy you leave when it's all done okay two more questions have you ever experienced a miracle or had a near-death experience i can't say that i have See, i'm gonna go no on that <laughs> Okay, last question brought to you by Shannon Amigo, one of our great listeners. She'd like to know what impact would you like to leave in the world? I kind of want to like, if I, whenever you like get a question like that, like impact, it's always like when I'm gone type thing. I don't know why my brain always goes there because you can leave an impact before you're gone, but, but I'll answer it as I'm gone. I mean, I, I want like to leave a, a positive force in something, an organization, people, friends, my kids, my wife, like I want them to have all been uplifted and a better person because and all these people that I interacted with because I was part of their life. And to me, if I've done that and I've had an effect on people and made them better, hopefully they paid it on too and did it down to the rest of my future family, their kids, their kids' kids. And, and I think that's the impact I'd want to live. Good stuff. Thanks for entertaining us on the lightning round. Shout out to the Capital Racer Nation. Thanks for tuning in. Please leave us a five-star written review. Shout out to my sponsor, Syndication Pro and PitchDex.com. Matt, how does the audience get a hold of you, my friend? 
directedira.com is the best place. Go to directedira.com. You can schedule a new account call, or if you're someone that raises capital and want to work with our business development team, you can schedule a call there. And then mattsorensen.com or at Matt Sorensen is where you can find me. That's Matt with one T and then S-O-R-E-N-S-E-N.com. That's also my handle at YouTube or all my other social places. Love to connect with anyone. Excellent. Do you have any last words of wisdom for the scaling syndicator or capital raiser as they proceed on their journey? Yes. Don't forget the IRAs and 401ks. <laughs> no, I mean, I think my last piece of advice is, it's funny, I had a client that gave me this piece of advice. He said, be ready so you don't have to get ready. And right now, we're, there's a lot of uncertainty starting in the real estate market. And there's who knows what's happening with banks and credit and rates. Sometimes that chaos creates opportunity. Those types of environments are where people make money. Figure out your strategy there and be ready so you don't have to get ready. That'd be my last piece. Boom. Good stuff, Matt. Well, hopefully it's not another 10 or 15 years before I see you, man. It's good to know that you're yeah, here in town. We're in, the, we're in Phoenix <laughs> together now. I moved here like 10 years ago, but yeah, we'll have to catch up. All right. Good stuff, Matt. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day, brother. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. My pleasure. 